0: I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist, turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical healthcare, in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light for the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Hello, friends. I'm so happy to have you back for another episode of Whole, Healthy, and Free. I have an incredible guest with me today. And before I get to an official bio and intro for him, I just wanna share a quick story about how I've been truly so fortunate to know him. So some years back, When I was still contemplating Los Angeles, I was checking out different companies in the area to connect with, and I stumbled upon a job post for trainer. I don't recall the exact verbiage, but it prompted me to look into the company further. And as I read about Future Health, which it was called, and the business model, I was like, whoa, these guys get it everything was personalized and y'all know how I feel about the power of creating programs as unique as the individual. So anyway, they were incorporating like cutting edge resistance training and personalized nutrition and they were measuring and collecting data that actually matters. Not just simply weighing and measuring people, but they were using 3D body scans and metabolism tests and other similar and advanced you know tools to to properly assess and more accurately develop programs. So needless to say, literally from out of state, I drove to their location in downtown LA, and I told the front desk that I was there to meet with Future Health. I actually did not have an appointment, but luckily they let me up, and it was everything I thought it would be and more. I got to work with him for a while before my food brands required a little bit more of my attention, and I was so honored because he is brilliant and innovative in this industry that has in my opinion, for the most part, kind of been stuck in the 80s. He was evolving the gym and wellness center model into the future while everyone else was just still like revolving it and recycling, recycling it. So with that said, let me more officially introduce him. Thurston has been in the health and fitness industry for almost 30 years. His wide breadth of experience and knowledge in the field include dietetics, sports psychology, exercise, functional medicine, and behavior change. He co-founded and ran a European fitness studio franchise with over 30 locations worldwide. He moved to Los Angeles just over 10 years ago where he set up a wellness center in downtown LA, which is where I met him. When he realized that no corporate wellness programs were successful in achieving truly effective outcomes, his focus turned to that area and he was obsessed with getting the majority of the workforce meaningful results. He founded and runs Future Health Institute, and has achieved incredible results, actually 50 times higher than most corporate wellness programs. And he's worked with many companies, including Analytic Investors, Daquiri, Puffco, and The Gas Company. He's now located in Los Angeles Center Studios, working with producers, directors, and actors from major shows that are shot there. He also has a new, innovative, personalized online training program, Future Wellness. So clearly, we have an expert in the house, and Thurston is with me today I couldn't be more excited for him to share his vision and expertise with you. He has so much knowledge. I highly recommend that you buckle up for this one. (laughs) He has inspired me and taught me a lot. It is my honor to introduce y'all to Thurston. Hello, Thurston. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm great, Wendy. Thanks very much. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, thanks. I'm really excited about chatting with you. And I'd love, if you don't mind, if you could just start by telling us a little bit about how your life has evolved, like how did you land in what you're doing? You know maybe start with the beginning, you know where 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 did it start?
1: Um, I guess I got it, I mean just when I left school, uh, I was actually working in a bar at the time and not leading a very healthy life. Um, in case anyone doesn't know from my accent, I'm from Ireland. so um, we're, we're known for a, a drinking culture. and when you're a barman at that point, you're drinking quite a lot. Uh, So I wasn't very healthy, but I I decided to join a gym at the time. And it was a real transformational experience for me. I literally went from, you know, a diet of Guinness and not good food to uh, very healthy food and working out. And even after about six weeks, I saw an amazing transformation, not just in my shape and strength, which, you know, was a a young guy I was that's my, was my main goal at the time but just in every part of my life my energy my mental outlook um all that everything changed and I was just fascinated with the that you could just change what you put in your mouth your exercise a few lifestyle things and see such a dramatic change in yourself as a person
0: yeah so
1: that's really what led me down the path in the in the beginning.
0: Amazing. And so other than that personal experience, which is, I think, profound, and I think will speak to so many people, because it is an underlying understanding that it's just going to take, you have to change everything, you have to give up all the things, you can't have fun anymore, you can't be who you are. And that's just not true. There's actually just a few simple things that we can do. And we'll get into that later. But other than this, like personal experience that you had, what else did you observe in like the fitness and strength training space that kind of prompted you or inspired you to enter into the industry as a gym or as a wellness center owner? Well, I was
1: always fascinated with, you know, what level of results you could get for a person. And there's quite a number of factors that you need. And um, from listening to your podcast, which are awesome, by the way, thank you. um, you obviously cover such a wide breadth of of what it takes. So it's it's the psychology, it's the nutrition, it's other lifestyle factors along with the exercise. So when I looked around and I looked at most gyms, and especially the big warehouse gyms, which is what most people would be uh, familiar with, I mean, it's almost like if you go to a hospital, there's a bunch of equipment there, but there's no doctors, there's no advice. Mm. I mean, what would you do? I mean, try out a machine, press a button, hope for the best. <laughs> um, so so the industry was kind of strange to me in the sense that it didn't have the full package of what you need to get results. Wow. Um, and then with my naivety, of course, I didn't understand the, the business plan behind these things. They call it the 10% rule where... They can sign up thousands of members knowing that only 10% uh, will actually turn up and that's how they are successful. Mm-hmm. So um, they obviously don't focus on or record what the average person gets in terms of results. Um, so that's what I kind of where I saw, well, this, this doesn't really, uh, this doesn't work <laughs> and it needs a definite change in direction.
0: Wow. Yes, I love that. And I think uh, a lot of people are unaware of that 10% rule. They don't realize that theres it's actually a little bit manipulative from the beginning. You know, From the model standpoint, when actually building out a business, it's a little bit more rare than one might think. People are starting gyms or starting wellness centers with the idea of actually helping people. It's more or less like, wow, this is like a billion dollar industry. Let's see what we can do there. And um, sounds like easy money. But then there's like a select few that actually are just passionate and really interested in seeing people's lives change, which is what was so inspiring to me about what y'all were doing. And also, obviously, how I feel about it. And just in general, um, I think that the messaging not only from the, you know, from the get go of of the gym model, but just overall, the, the health and wellness industry, there's some like a little bit of passion. And then there's like a lot of people interested in making money. And so like, the the messaging, I think, would convey something different. How do you actually feel about the overall messaging of diet and exercise as it's presented to the public? Um, I, well, it,
1: it obviously changes. I mean, it, it depends what, what, I'm not quite sure what you mean exactly in terms of which messaging, because mm. at the moment, <laughs> with, when it comes to diet and exercise, it kind of, I think this is across the board, not just in this industry, but everything seems to be sort of in groups. Um, It's like in social media, you join your group. So even when it comes to nutrition, um, it's almost like dealing with politics (laughs) rather than just the science of nutrition. Um, So that obviously makes a big impact So it's almost like, well, my diet's better than your diet or my (laughs) type of workout's better than yours. And uh, so there's a lot of that going on more recently. Um, So I don't know if, if that's what you meant by that or if there was something else.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. I actually, and I think that that, even just in the answer of I'm not sure what you mean or, you know, can we expand on that is I think how the general public feels. I think that that is the messaging. It's confusing. Do I mm. belong to this club? Should I join this gang of nutrition? Should I join this gang of this type of workout? What, you know, what should I do? I, I actually feel like it's a little bit confusing. So, so yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I, I agree. And I think that it also plays into like the fragmentation of the human when really it's about the wholeness of the human. It's, it's a holistic, vantage point, which is what you do primarily in making sure that not only are people, um, and I really love that saying, you know, that when, when you walked into the gym that you, you were like, okay, but where's the doctor? Like, I don't really know what to do here. I just hope, hopefully I'll push a button and it'll work for me. Uh, and I and I think that that's such a brilliant analogy because people don't really know what to do. Um, you know, they are unsure. And so based on all of that and and the our common belief that it's about the holistic wellness. It's about bringing in the nutrition, bringing in the instruction, bringing in the, how, how are you, how are you dealing with stress in your life? How are you sleeping? How are your relationships? Things like that. There is so much to consider. And, and I know this is a, a big question, but what, what do you feel from your standpoint and the clients that you've been working with? What do you feel is the biggest health issue for people today?
1: Well, if I was to sum it up, I, I would definitely say metabolic health. And um, now, we probably need to define that yes, because please. a lot of people, as soon as they hear that, they go, whether what, what you've got a slower a fat, like even if you do a search for for metabolism, it's all about whether you're going to lose weight or gain weight. <laughs> but metabolic health is way more than that. It's pretty much every single chemical process in the body. Um. So it's basically your health at a cellular basis. And that is something that has just fallen off a cliff over the last 50 to 100 years. So, um, I mean, interestingly, even what's going on right now um, with the pandemic, metabolic health plays a huge role in that, but metabolic health is is responsible for way more deaths and, and not only that, but people's quality of life. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss because if they don't necessarily have a disease, they think they're fine. Mm. But their energy could be better, their mental state could be better, they could feel um, more positive, all of these other things that affects your quality of life is affected by your metabolic health as well. Um, so that's the, the big thing that I, unfortunately, it just never gets any sort of uh, focus or, or, but yet it, it's number one for sure.
0: Wow. Will you expand a little bit or define a little bit more of what metabolic health is? Is it one specific condition? Is it a collection of conditions? Or can you get into that a little bit for those who may not have heard of it before or are unfamiliar with that term?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, metabolism is, like I said, is all the chemical processes. So, it you know, keeps you alive. It keeps your organs functioning normally, even breathing, repairing cells, digesting food. Um, Now, how they assess it, like metabolic syndrome or metabolic disease, they normally take about five different markers. So one is going to be your HDL, your triglycerides, uh, blood sugar, blood pressure, and then your waistline as well is part of that. Now, when they looked at all that and um, if someone obviously is within the normal range, they're considered metabolically healthy, you might be, well, you won't be, but (laughs) people may be surprised to hear that the amount of people that are metabolically healthy in this country is only 12 percent. Wow. So 88 percent are metabolically unhealthy, um, and that's an absolute, you know, disaster. And the one thing that I always kind of say with this is that it obviously doesn't have to be like that because if 50 years ago our metabolic health was much better and 100 years ago it was even better again, um, well then it's not that we have to do something weird or new to have good metabolic health. <laughs> uh, we absolutely know how to do it. So, And it is something, and again, I think this is another massive misconception that it it takes way too much to try and improve your metabolic health. I mean, in two weeks you can absolutely have huge impact in your metabolic health. So it's not something that takes years. I think there are a lot of the misconceptions when it comes to health.
0: Yeah, I would say, well, and that, uh, gosh, I'm trying to figure out where to even begin with that because it is so interesting how people are trying to create these new ways of and and introducing these new ways as if oh my gosh we just figured out how to be healthy surprise and you should and here's the <laughs> subscription model to it and here's how to do it but meanwhile we've been doing it all along it's only been you know since you said 50 years ago is that what you said about how long since you know as far as statistically that we know we were better than we are now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a good marker to take is something like diabetes. So 50 years ago, 1% of people had diabetes. Now it's 14%. Wow. Now that's 14 times increase. 1,400%. <laughs> I mean, that is huge, absolutely huge. And obviously we know things like obesity, etc., has gone up. But I think that's an interesting one because I do, I mean, if you, I, I do think that Blood sugar is is one of the major factors of metabolic health that I tend to focus on, um, and it's something that you can change very very quickly. Um, but one of the things, even from listening to your other podcasts, um, and something that I'm I i do not know much about uh, is the food processing mm. because ultra processed food and the increase in that is almost linear with our decrease in our metabolic health. Yes, so I think that's a huge huge factor.
0: I. I couldn't agree more, Thurston. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a huge factor, and it is that it is that ultra process. And I would say it runs exactly linear. I mean, you can tr- you can trace so many different things back to around that time, not only in the increase of certain diseases and conditions, but the decrease in nutrients, the decrease in the uh, the bioavailability of the nutrients because of poor soil, plus you know what's being sprayed on the foods and stuff like that. So it absolutely runs along the same lines. And you mentioned you mentioned. Um, The uh, like measuring blood glucose, and um, I'm wondering, from a proactive approach, what are some of the best labs, or or maybe more most important labs to have drawn for health that are not normally part of a standard annual exam? From your vantage point, most people will see their doctor once a year at best, and there's typically just kind of hand them a lab sheet and go here, go get these done. But rarely do those those labs tell us much from from like our side of the equation which what do you like to see or what can people ask for when they when they do see their doctors do you think
1: um well i, I sort of have two answers for this one mm. um, one is and again obviously i know you'll relate to this it depends on the person mm-hmm. and uh, what they need to kind of focus in on so it's hard to say for everyone because for one person they might need to look into areas like inflammation a lot more um, for another person it could be the hormones um another person it could be the nutrient levels um things like uh, omega-3 uh ratios and, and things like that so it can kind of vary a lot uh, depending on the person where they're at what their goals are obviously if they have any issues um but um something that i and obviously i just already sort of touched on this that i am fascinated with is is the blood glucose and it, and in particular, the continuous blood glucose monitors, which you can get now, and a lot of doctors will prescribe this where you can get a continuous one, so then you know what it is all the time throughout the day. They just put it on your arm, you get an app on your phone, I think it's Bluetooth, and it'll give you sort of a continuous readout for at least two weeks. And that way you know what your blood sugar is, not just your fasting blood glucose in the morning, but every time you eat a meal, you know whether or not that meal is good or bad for you. And this is where the individualization comes in Mm -hmm. because one person can eat a meal and their blood sugar could be great, their energy is great, and they've handled that meal very well. The other person could eat exactly the same food and they could get a blood sugar spike. Um, So even if the glycemic index or the amount of carbs is the same, each individual's reaction can be very different. So if I was to kind of focus on one thing and um, that will be something I think would be really interesting. Um, and it's the thing I'm probably most excited about. I know I'm not involved in anything to do with this, but I kind of I'm sort of hoping in the back of my mind that I don't know, maybe Apple will come out with their watch in a few years that will actually do continuous blood sugar. And that is something that I think would have a tremendous impact on people's health. Um, now, of course, there's other measures, and you've got to take into account insulin resistance and these things, but just the, if you're going to just pick one thing that would have the biggest impact, that's that's the area that I would focus on.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. There's actually a company that I um, was connected to maybe about two years ago now called NutriSense, and I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just happen to, to know um, some of the people that work there was connected through a mutual friend. And um, they actually do offer that, where they've, they've been able to set up national, um, an, a national organization to where you can get a prescription for the continuous blood glucose monitoring, and then they have um, all of the software and the platform, the, the app for your phone, and they're able to give you direct, and um, they're able to give you feedback about your, your monitoring. So you're just basically entering in what you've eaten um, over the course of however long, and then that way when you review the results, whether it's weekly or biweekly, I can't recall, I want to say it's weekly, they actually can say, okay, when you eat these things, this is where we see the biggest difference in your insulin, Uh, your blood glucose is is drastically impacted by this particular type of meal. And it's typically shocking to people. We've just, I mean, even when I was trained, it's like, here's the glycemic index, this applies to everybody. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It's absolutely not true. If I have a banana and you have a banana, I might not have any reaction at all to it and it might just throw you for a loop. So I'm really thankful for like this technology and I couldn't agree more. I think that um, that blood glucose monitoring, specifically the continuous, is is really a great place to start. Um, what As far as what y'all do um, at at your place and with clients and stuff where you're, cause you do much more than just weighing on a scale. Can you talk a little bit about what you, how you expand that so that you can get more accurate with people's programs and also, um, you know, what it is that you, what you use and what you like to see?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we take people in, um, We go through quite a lot of questionnaires and stuff like that. We do all the measurements. Body fat percentage obviously is is a big one because when people see, especially if people are looking to do some sort of weight management, weight gain, weight loss, et cetera, they can be very obsessive with the scale. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as you know, if you're you're gaining muscle, that's a good thing, um, but you don't want to be gaining fat and vice versa. You don't want to be losing muscle and so the scale could go up and it could be a positive thing even if you're trying to lose weight if if that's muscle because that's going to increase your metabolism so we find that a lot in other words people might maintain or not see as much of a weight loss in the first couple of weeks because they're actually gaining muscle at the same time as burning fat Mm -hmm. but when they see the difference in the measurements they see a huge difference and the other thing that we monitor is their resting metabolic rate and so that's a really good one as well because One of the biggest issues with a lot of people that are trying to lose weight is that they will just do anything to see the weight drop on the scale. They will tend to lose muscle um, and their resting metabolic rate drops considerably, way more than it should. Um, And then it makes it harder and harder for them to continuously lose weight. They sort of hit a wall um, and then it can actually do a lot more harm than good in the long run. And that's where most people end up putting back on the weight and plus some so um, that's that's another big measure that we look at as well.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that, and I remember uh, even just learning how to how to do that test for clients when I was with y'all, and I was just fascinated by that not being a standard. Why mm-hmm. that that's not something that people are looking at as as much, if not more, than than the scale. So I do I think that that is such a a huge. How can people? How how could we? If somebody didn't know what their resting metabolic rate is, is there a way to, to do it or is there a way to find somebody that does that? I feel like this is something that might pique some interest in some listeners as as to how they could get that done. How would you advise somebody to do that?
1: Uh, well, there's a number of places all around the country that will have, um, uh, you know, a lot of places you just go in. I mean, even things like DEXA scans where you can go in and get those but they'll generally have some sort of metabolism machine as well Um, because it's hard to estimate it. So, I mean, okay, it's sort of an estimation, but it's a very Mm. accurate one (laughs) when you use the actual machine. Uh, In other words, I, I wouldn't, I would avoid the online calculators because that's not going to be very accurate. And we found that. So definitely getting it properly tested somewhere, but I'm sure if you look it up or do a search, um, you, you'll find one in your local area uh, where you could get it tested.
0: Amazing, uh, and you mentioned earlier that, that when you apply a little bit of difference to your nutritional strategy, when you you know make some changes to how you, and uh, how how you move and how often you move, that even really in just a matter of two weeks, you can change a lot. So based on that, what are like some good practical steps that people could? take away from this conversation that they could easily apply to their life even as as soon as tomorrow?
1: Absolutely. I mean, again, especially when you when you start to check your blood sugar after each meal, literally, the last meal you had will make a big difference to what your blood sugar is now. Mm. Um, And that can change literally how you feel in terms of your energy levels, and even how you feel in terms of mood levels. So, um, but some simple things i mean the obvious one is less sugar and refined carbohydrates the ultra processed food and um, that's going to have the biggest impact no question mm-hmm. so once you you reduce or can remove those or replace them um you're going to see the biggest difference and you will see a difference in 24 hours in your blood sugar um after that the next big thing that i would focus on because um, I tend to like to focus on the positive, in, in other words, rather than what you're taking out, what you're putting in. <laughs> um, so I always say to focus from a blood sugar perspective, um, more protein can be very, very uh, effective. So, um, and if you happen to be looking to lose a little bit of weight or, or fat, um, increasing your protein intake can be very good for that also because it ma- makes you feel more satiated. So when you eat more protein, um, that will definitely have a positive impact on your post-meal blood glucose. Um, The other thing which is fascinating um, is the order of the food that you eat. So they did a really interesting study, I think this was in San Diego, where they wanted to see, did it make a difference um, if you ate your protein first or, or your vegetables or fiber or your carbohydrates? So, you know, a general meal, you'll have some kind of vegetables, some kind of protein, um, and some kind of carb. It could be potatoes, rice, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when they tested, if they ate the carbs first, um, it would be 50% less if they ate the protein and, and vegetables or protein and fiber first. And that's even if they ate exactly the same food. And um, wow. the researchers were saying it was interesting because when they ate the protein and vegetables first, they felt fuller quicker. So they didn't even want to finish the carbohydrates, but they had to because they were <laughs> part of the study. Um, so they, so they, in reality, your blood sugar would probably drop even more. So I always say this to people. I mean, even if you're going for a meal or Thanksgiving, I'd say, well, just focus on, on making yourself as full as possible on the protein first. Then allow yourself to eat whatever, a little bit of dessert. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, your blood sugar will be much, much better. Uh, So that's another big thing. And of course, exercise um, is another thing that, and again, if you had a continuous blood sugar monitor, you'd see this. Because even if you do eat something like rice that's going to cause your blood sugar levels to spike, if you go for, for instance, a 20-minute walk after your meal, um, that will negate the impact of that spike. Again, it'll differ from person to person, but um, that'll make a big difference. And my favorite is is the resistance training, because from a, a blood sugar perspective, you're going to activate way more muscle fibers in the whole body. And when, you, when your blood sugar rises, it has a choice. It either goes and gets used in the muscle, which is fine, or it goes to the liver. And then it causes a lot of problems. Insulin causes problems in terms of and that's where fat storage, et cetera, will start to happen. So really using it up in the muscles is great. So if you have a lot more active muscle tissue from resistance training, um, overall, your blood sugar response all the time will be much, much better.
0: Yeah. And I think that even though this has been something that's getting to be more discussed scientifically, where there's a greater understanding of resistance training, specifically for women who are, I, I believe they're just now getting you know used to the idea or they're okay with heavier weights. I, I do think that we're moving into that that area. but is there anything that you could share specifically for those women who still are a little bit hesitant to, let's say they only have forty minutes to work out in a day. And they right now they use thirty five of those minutes to do cardio and then do a quick five minute of a body part you know with with weights. What would you say to them as far as sh- you know shifting that that time management in the gym and really focusing on on heavier lifting? Okay, yeah,
1: well, the way I would, I mean, the sort of analogy I give, if you imagine the muscles um, like coals on a fire, you wanna get them red hot and that, that'll melt the fat away. So if you do light exercise, which pretty much all aerobic is, and, and look, aerobics is fantastic. and has a lot of health benefits in itself. And, and uh, I'm a big believer in that, but it's not going to get the deeper muscle fibers. So you have layers of muscle. So even if you do 10 hours of treadmill or something like that, you're only going to get the surface layer, which is a very, very small percentage. Mm -hmm. So, um, you need to add resistance and you know, and you can do this yourself. I mean, if you just have your arm down by your side and you lift it up. The bicep muscle is still quite soft but if you lift up something heavy because it needs to recruit more muscle fibers you'll feel it a lot firmer so the the goal is really to get as many of the muscle fibers and the deeper the better because if you get all the way to the 2b muscle fibers um which is like this almost almost musculoskeletal and that's the most effective for your overall whole body metabolism and your resting metabolic rate when you get those 2b muscle fibers jumps up 9%, which is huge. Mm-hmm. So your overall metabolism is much much better. And again, remember that transforms your whole health, blood glucose management, your energy levels, mood levels, inflammation, everything is impacted by that. So it's almost like trying to get the core of your health, you want to get deeper into the muscle fibers and Honestly, you're not going to end up looking like Schwarzenegger or anything like that. <laughs> that's such a myth. Oh, my gosh, it was only that easy. <laughs> but you need to take a colossal amount of calories, protein, all sorts of things um, in order to do that. All that's going to happen is the quality of the muscle is going to get better. It's going to be much firmer and your energy metabolism will be much, much better. And much leaner, so I, I don't really see any downsides at all.
0: <laughs> I love. Thank you. I love that, and I think that helps a lot. There's a there's this mo, this time frame in which women are like, okay, I'm ready to start lifting heavier, and then they do, and then somehow it just kind of goes away, and they're they're right back onto the treadmill. So I think that was awesome, and it's going to be so helpful to so many people to keep them on that track of of building the lean muscle tissue, which we know overall is is good for so many different things including even anti-aging and and, um, and how people feel and their focus and of course then their aesthetics as well and their metabolic health. Um, we can't forget. Um, what do you think is still missing? I feel like you've had a lot of experience um, in the industry and you've always, from my vantage point, I feel like you've always been ahead of the curve that's how I've observed um, your approach in this industry what do you feel like is still missing from from the health uh, and wellness industry overall and it doesn't have to necessarily be gym based or wellness center based it could be anything what what's something that you notice consistently showing up as being missing Um,
1: probably behavior change Um, So, I mean, I love nutrition, exercise, I mean, all the lifestyle factors, the physiology, everything from sleep, et cetera, um, hormones. But really, I mean, 90% of anything that I, when I'm actually working with people, it's all psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it was that easy, then everyone would be in great shape. So if you say, yeah, I'll just don't eat bad food, eat good food, do lots of exercise, and everybody just did that, <laughs> it'd be all over. But the problem is, the environments that we're living in is all working against us. Mm-hmm. So you really need to stack the odds in the person's favor um, and a lot of that is changing habits and behavior change. And again, it's going to be individual. So some people, the most important thing before you do anything is stress management. And if you don't um, if you don't kind of work with that, you won't be able to get any sort of results and um, because that has a physiological impact as well, the cortisol, et cetera. And then if you add more stress through nutrition and exercise, you can make the problem worse mm-hmm. So uh, so I think behavior change, um, is probably the biggest one um, that I'm re- I've always been kind of fascinated in fact I was more interested in psychology than the physiology in the beginning and, and it probably is still all through today <laughs> even though I, I love both um, so I, I think that's that's a huge area so no matter how good the diet or exercise program is um, if you can't sort of get the person, help them in terms of of what they're dealing with in their lives and um, it's it's not going to work
0: yes i couldn't agree more i actually feel like that is that's been the consistent challenge is is people working through emotions and how and and just their false beliefs about themselves and whether or not they're even able to do it or just identity sometimes things are spoken over us as we're evolving as people that get stuck you know and even be able to find them identify them and to to break them down there's that's its own workout, on its own. You do have to before you even get to the gym or choose what you're going to eat. It's it's really taking a look at identity and and value and also you know why we do the things that we do. So uh, I love that answer. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I I haven't yet seen anything. I I'm sure that there is some, and, and I'm just not. I haven't found it yet. Anything that's really doing that well, that's helping people change well. But then I'm wondering if maybe that's because. We really do have to work one-on-one with people. That's not something that we're ever going to be able to, to have just delivered in, a, in an app that has, you know, programmed, you know, different, different programs for us to go through mentally. I'm wondering if, it, if it's, it's not out there yet because it's, we're really just supposed to be working one-on-one with people. What do you think? Or do you know of any that are out there?
1: Uh, I I, not anything that jumps to mind. Um, I I think it's possible to automate some of it.
0: Um,
1: But I'm I'm also a big believer of the human connection. Um, So I I think there's a place for both. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not quite sure what that balance will be because there is going to be a practical element. I mean, how do you get this to people? Um, You know, that it's affordable, that it's that everybody has access to it. Um so I do think there is a place for technology. I just don't think we're there yet um, because we're still jumping around with all these variables and, and there's so much misinformation out there. So even when you look at the tech companies and how they're approaching it, I mean, <laughs> they're still basing things on theories that have been sort of debunked mm-hmm. so many times, like just all about calories, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you could do a whole episode on that, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's, uh, you know, so... So the problem is the foundation is not quite there yet, um, but I do think it's possible to to have things that are sort of automated that'll help people. But I, I just think it's we're we're not quite there yet.
0: Yeah, um, have you have you uh, have you actually experienced any aha moments or creative inspiration during this last eighteen months of being locked down? Was was there some solutions or? Um, I guess just new ideas that came to you that you've been able to implement um, in like the professional area of your life?
1: Uh, Yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, it definitely gives you sort of a a time to sort of uh, take a a broad look at things Mm -hmm. and see where things are going. Um, I mean, one of the things that I I did because I I resisted this for such a long time was was doing anything online because, um, you know, again, that, uh, when I'm actually working with people face to face, I've always found that to be the best. And when I looked at the online fitness, it was all this one size fits all, mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to go down that road because, I mean, I, I, as you know, everything that I do, it's all based on the person, where they're at, their goals, their lifestyle, and and uh, personalising it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then eventually, um, as time went on, I just said there must be some way to do something for people because all my members were reaching out saying, hey, uh, we'd we'd like some support during the the pandemic and the lockdowns. Um, So I kept looking at it and finally came up with a a way to have a completely personalized experience using an app. um, And we were able to um, get the same results that we were um, face-to-face with people through the app because, again, all the routines and everything was personalized. It took a lot on the on the back end <laughs> yes. of the database stuff and um, doing that. And it's still obviously one-on-one calls to to set everything up and work with people and bring people through it. But we were able to completely customize the workouts and the experience, which was great. And it, and it didn't matter if they were working out from home, whether they had no equipment, lots of equipment. I mean, literally, we, we did about 500 different exercises and shot them and then we were able to put them together and um, completely customized for each person. Um, so that was pretty interesting. And, um, and now we're using that in conjunction with now that we're back open again. Mm-hmm. So the people have the app and all that and the gym together, uh, which is great. So it's actually it's actually supporting what we're doing now, as well as people that still can't come back.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I actually was hoping that that was going to be something that that was inspired during the last 18 months for y'all cuz even when I'm working with people in different states and they want to figure out how to incorporate some type of fitness, I've always been like, "Man, I wish I wish Future Health had some way somehow to to work with people outside of Los Angeles. So this is great for me and for all my clients because I, I couldn't imagine referring to any other any other space that that doesn't have that mentality of holistic where the, each person is going to be treated as the individual and really monitored and supported through the process. Uh, I think it's so, so positive for people to have a different experience. And I couldn't be happier that it's something that has come out of this. It really is a positive result of what could have been, you know, a really hard time. So that's, that's incredible. What other positive impacts would you say have come out of the last 18 months for you, whether professionally or personally?
1: Um, well, for me, it's been the best. Uh, I'll definitely look back at it as being the best time of my life, because one week before the the lockdown began, um, we had a baby. So <laughs> I, I had the, probably the most, the longest paternity leave of anybody <laughs> in this country. Uh, so literally, I had 18 months um, where, you know, I, I've been with, with the baby the whole time, which has been amazing. So that's been completely life changing and um oh wow i mean I, I, that's just a gift so i've been yeah. so fortunate for that so so that's always going to be the the number one for me
0: <laughs> i love that and i think it's so important that we talk about these things you know you hear about so many discussions around what's been hard and you know what's been the struggle and what's been the challenge and i'm like but what about the gifts? Like what about all the ways that we've been blessed to experience something in a way that we couldn't have experienced it before, or be able to see something in a way that we couldn't have seen it before? There's so many positive things to talk about. And I think the more we focus on that stuff, um, you know, the, the the better the outcome will be overall. That's just, you know, from my standpoint how I see it. And I feel like it actually has given me a real hope for the future in general. Like I I feel like this has been an opportunity to stop for a second and really analyze and assess everything on a personal and professional level. And I see the I see the future of things and from a more hopeful standpoint. And I'm curious how you see like how do you envision the future of fitness and the gym industry now as opposed to maybe you were envisioning it pre COVID.
1: Well, it's definitely been an interesting time and, and being totally honest, I, I sort of go back and forth on this. So it's a little bit of like a yo-yo because, um, I mean, personally, I mean, I'll always try to to find the, the silver linings of any challenge. And when I look back in my life, it's the times of challenge where a lot of good things come from. Um, and having said that, you know, some people are, are a lot less fortunate than I am and I, don't wish kind of anything you know these challenges can be way too much for a lot of people Mm -hmm. depending on on their circumstances and every you know some people have just been hit much harder Mm -hmm. so you know so i kind of i kind of go back and forth i mean i always like i said try to look at the positive in in my own situation um it's a strange one I, i honestly haven't quite figured it out yet when it comes to health and fitness because obviously i mean as an industry it's been hit the hardest right one of the hardest anyway and they didn't quite get the support that other industries did i mean they tried to get a few people in and uh, lobbying for the industry so i mean again it's interesting during the health pandemic that Mm. the very things that are good for our health sort of got left aside and i mean like i don't know exactly how many but at least tens of thousands of of fitness centers are now closed permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, now, okay, does it leave space for something better to come along? Well, hopefully. Um, so, um, But again, I, I'm sort of a little surprised that health hasn't been more of a focus during the pandemic in terms of, I mean, going back to metabolic health, because mm-hmm. um, I just think it's so vital. And even now with all the data that's come out, we can see that that is definitely a, a contributing factor to, to how people do during the, the, the pandemic. Um so yeah, I mean I'm always optimistic about the future and I'm excited about things. Um, but I also see I, I'm a little bit shocked that there's not more of an emphasis on on health during this as well. So so I, I kind of tend to go back and forth a little bit, being totally honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I I I had the same feelings about it. I'm, I'm still surprised that when we're talking about a health issue, that the gyms weren't lifted up in the phase of that, that there wasn't support from those places along with, you know, diet and supplementation recommendations. Those were just not really talked about, or at least if they were talked about, they weren't highlighted for people. It still is surprising to me, but I do feel like, well, perhaps in light of that, people will start to value their personal health more and will seek to do more of a proactive approach because now, as it's been shown, you just never know what's going to happen. So maybe Mm. it's a good idea to, to get behind it ahead of time, just not from the standpoint of fear, of course, but just the things that I do have the ability to direct that are within the sphere of my immediate control is my behaviors and what I... What I do with my time and and I think that health is something that people have all had to come to terms with in a diff- in their own way throughout this this process, so it will be interesting to see how it goes and um, concerning all things, and I know this is a, a relatively large question, but I feel like it's important because there's a lot of messaging out there that is confusing overwhelming there's in all honesty, there's a lot of fear messaging going on. And so I'm just curious if you had the opportunity to broadcast one message to the world um, for them to hear right now about their health, what what would that be? Um,
1: well, I see health as part of who you are. Um, I, I think health health is very much categorized almost like a like a, a thing, like a car or a hobby or something. That's just one of those things that's on my list of to-dos or something like that. <laughs> um, whereas really, if you can see health is really, cause it is, it's part of who you are. It's how you feel your energy, your mood, your resilience, your expression into the world, um, which obviously you should value yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do, your health should really come first. Um, so that would be the biggest thing is that I think we only see health as if there's an issue or something is broken <laughs> that it needs mm-hmm. to be fixed. Um, but it's so much more than that. And I think when people experience that, they, they never go back. So I think it's the people that really have gives given something a real shot and noticed how much of an impact it's had in every area of their lives and uh, they never go back. Um, so So that's the big thing that I think just making that switch mentally saying, well, no, it's not just a thing. It's actually me. Mm. <laughs> it's, I am my health. So um, when you see it like that, I, I think you, you'll, you're you going to prioritize it more and then you're going to have a much better life. I mean, your whole quality of life will dramatically improve because um, that's my biggest wish if I see again the last 50 to 100 years it's sort of an interesting time for a species as humanity uh, for 200,000 years. Um, our health has been at a certain level and then suddenly taken this absolute nosedive. Mm-hmm. We should be shocked. We're more shocked about obviously what's happened, which is obviously a massive thing. But metabolic health. Is probably a hundred times greater than than what we faced in the last year, but yet we're doing nothing about it, and it still is not making the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with that, with the uh, with with the pandemic, obviously our health plays a big role in that as well. So you're you're covering all bases, um, if you can really prioritize your health,
0: yeah, yes. I so agree with that, that, and I think that's a message that people really need to hear. It's something that does get swept under the rug as, oh, that's just something I already know about that, or I've already heard about that. And that's really what my hope is with this podcast is to, is to shift the paradigm of how we see health and wellness and how it really is who we are. And it's not just a thing to check off. It's not just part of our to-do list. And if we get to it, great. And if we don't, oh, well, because I'm not, I don't really feel bad anyway. So what's the, you know, those kinds of that type of feeling about it overall, I feel like is, it's time to shift that and to recognize that it's, it's so much more. It really is how we present ourselves, how we feel, you know, the, just the essence of our being, um, how well we work, how well we parent, how well we are friends. It's, it's just, it's really everything. So I, I love that. Um, how can people connect with you and, and learn more about your company and what y'all are doing over there?
1: Uh, Well, the best is just the website, uh, futurewellness.com. So that gives all the information on the online program that we do. And you can also connect with us there um, if you're in Los Angeles. And we operate out of downtown LA in Los Angeles Center Studios. Amazing. I should be, but I'm not on any of the social media.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but should you really? I mean, I've, this is one of the questions I'm asking myself is, do I really need to do this social media thing? Uh, depends on who I ask, uh, but I'm with you. I kind of like, let's just, I like to get my hands in the dirt and and just be working on building things and creating things. But um, I guess it's a necessary component. So at least you have a website. I'll make sure to put that in the notes so that people can reach it. And there's also a, a video that you did that I just loved, and it was specifically about metabolic health and some of the statistics of of metabolic health, which are shocking. And so I'm actually going to share that as well in the show notes. So if you guys want to um, you know, look at that, um, in addition to learning more about Future Wellness. I will have those in the notes. Um, thank you again so much, Thurston, for your time today. Uh, this is such an important topic, and it's it's been such helpful information, I think, for people. So thank you.
1: You're welcome, and, uh, and congratulations on the podcast. I've listened to every episode, <laughs> and they are fantastic, very educational, and and very entertaining as well i love it
0: thank you so much and thanks everyone for listening check out the show notes again for the links and any resources we discussed in this episode and if y'all feel like moved to do so please do share this podcast with other people with your friends with your family loved ones and leave a review as well because there is algorithms behind the the scene that that The more reviews and positive feedback there is, it does allow us to be seen by more people. And this information really does need to be shared. Um, I'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, I just want to remind you, don't forget that you can do anything. So just be intentional to spot and defy And then dismantle any limitations that are actually nothing but facades. So whether you built them or someone else tried to project theirs onto you, it's time to bring them down. And I'm cheering you on in the process. Have an incredible week of being incredible. Thank you for listening to whole, healthy, and free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode. Once it becomes available on the voice America health and wellness channel. Until then stay focused, insist on the truth and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.